Chapter Twenty Five of the Secret Service by Albert Richardson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Casper. Chapter Twenty Five. A woman moved is like a fountain troubled, muddy, ill-seeming, thick, bereft of beauty. Taming of the Shrew. When the army left Harper's Ferry on a forced march it moved with incredible celerity thirty miles in nine days the virginians east of the blue ridge were nearly all hot secessionists the troops who had behaved well among the union people of maryland saw the contrast and spoiled the egyptians accordingly i think if pharaoh had seen his homestead passed over by a hungry hostile force he would have let the people go in the presence of the army many professed a sort of loyal neutrality or neutral loyalty but i did not hear a single white virginian of either sex claim to be an unconditional unionist at woodgrove one evening finding that we should not go into camp before midnight i sought supper and lodging at a private house of the better class my middle-aged host and his two young unmarried sisters were glad to entertain someone from the army to protect their dwelling against stragglers the elder girl of about eighteen was almost a monomaniac upon the war she declared she had no aspiration for heaven if any yankees were to be there she would be proud to kiss the dirtiest raggedest soldier in the rebel army i refrained from discussing politics with her and we talked of other subjects during the evening generals gorman and burns reached the house to seek shelter for the night the officers discovering the sensitiveness of the poor girl expressed the most ultra sentiments well educated and with a tongue like a rapier she was at times greatly excited and the blood crimsoned her face but she outtalked them all by the way asked burns mischievously do you ever read the tribune she replied with intense indignation read it i would not touch it with a pair of tongs it is the most infamous abolition negro equality sheet in the whole world so a great many people say continued burns however here is one of its correspondents in this room yes madam he must be even worse than you who come down here to murder us where is he sitting in the corner there reading letters i thought you were deceiving me that is no tribune correspondent i do not believe you to me this yankee officer says that you write for the new york tribune you don't do you yes madam why you seem to be a gentleman it is not true it's a jest between you just to make me angry at last convinced she withheld altogether from me the expected vituperation but assailed burns in a style which made him very glad to abandon the unequal contest she relentlessly persisted that he should always wear his star for nobody would suspect him of being a general if he appeared without his uniform that he was the worst type a most obnoxious yankee etc at upperville the next day i inquired of a woman who was scrutinizing us from her door have you seen any rebel pickets this morning she replied indignantly no why do you call them rebels as you please madam what do you call them i call them southern heroes sir 
the negroes poured into our lines whenever permitted well uncle i asked of a white-haired patriarch who was tottering along the road are you a rebel like everybody else no sir what should i be a rebel for i have been wanting to come to you all a heap of times but i just watched and waited watching and waiting four millions of negroes were watching and waiting from the beginning of the war until president lincoln's proclamation on the march major o'neill of general meagher's staff started with a message to burnside who was a few miles on our left unsuspectingly he rode right into a squad of cavalry dressed in united states uniform he found that they were stuart's rebels in disguise and that he was a captive o'neill had only just been exchanged from libby prison and his prospect was disheartening the delighted rebels sent him to their headquarters in bloomfield under guard of a lieutenant and two men but on reaching the village they found the headquarters closed i wonder where our forces are gone said the rebel officer oh here they are men guard the prisoner while i ride to them and he galloped down the street to a company of approaching cavalry just as he reached them they leveled their carbines and cried surrender he had made precisely the same mistake as major o'neill and ridden into our cavalry instead of his own so after spending three hours in the hands of the rebels o'neill found himself once more in our lines accompanied by three rebel prisoners the slaveholders complained greatly of the depredations of our army a wealthy planter who had lost nothing of much value drew for me a frightful picture of impending starvation i could bear it myself exclaimed this virginian pecksniff but it is very hard for these little negroes who are almost as dear to me as my own children he had one of the young africans upon his knee and it was quite as white as his own children who were running about the room the only perceptible difference was that its hair was curly while theirs was straight at warrenton on the seventh of november mcclellan was relieved from the command of the army of the potomac he issued the following farewell an order from the president devolves upon major-general burnside the command of this army in parting from you i cannot express the love and gratitude i bear you as an army you have grown under my care in you i have never found doubt or coldness the battles you have fought under my command will brightly live in our nation's history the glory you have achieved our mutual perils and fatigues the graves of our comrades fallen in battle and by disease the broken forms of those whom wounds and sickness have disabled make the strongest associations which can exist among men united still by an indissoluble tie we shall ever be comrades in supporting the constitution of our country and the nationality of its people mcclellan's political and personal friends were aggrieved and indignant at his removal in the midst of a campaign three of his staff officers even made a foolish attempt to assault a tribune correspondent on account of the supposed hostility of that journal toward their commander general mcclellan upon hearing of it sent a disclaimer and apology and the officers were soon heartily ashamed the withdrawal was worked up to its utmost dramatic effect immediately after reading the farewell order to all the troops there was a final review in which the outgoing and incoming generals with their long staffs rode along the lines 
salutes were fired and colors dipped at some points the men cheered warmly but the new regiments were heroically reticent mcclellan's chief strength was with the rank and file burnside pushed the army rapidly forward to the rappahannock the rebels held fredericksburg on the south bank the men conversed freely across the stream one day i heard dialogue like this hallo butternut hallo bluebelly what was the matter with your battery tuesday night you made it too hot your shots drove away the cannoneers and they haven't stopped running yet we infantrymen had to come out and withdraw the guns you infantrymen'll run too one of these fine mornings when are you coming over when we get ready to come what do you want want fredericksburg don't you wish you may get it here an officer came up and ordered our men away the army halted for some weeks in front of fredericksburg by this time war correspondence was employing hundreds of pens the tribune had from five to eight men in the army of the potomac and twelve west of the alleghanies my own local habitation was the headquarters of major general o o howard who afterward won wide reputation in tennessee and georgia and who is an officer of great skill bravery and personal purity my dispatches were usually prepared and those of my associates sent to me at night before dawn a special messenger called at my tent for them and bore them on horseback or by railway and steamer to washington whence they were forwarded to new york by mail or telegraph correspondents usually lived at the headquarters of some general officer bearing their due proportion of mess expenditures but they were compelled to rely upon the bounty of quartermasters for forage for their horses and transportation for their baggage having no legal and recognized positions in the army they were sometimes liable to supercilious treatment from young members of staff they were sure of politeness and consideration from generals yet particularly in the regular army there was a certain impression that they deserved halleck's characterization of unauthorized hangers-on to encourage the best class of journalists to accompany the army there should be a law distinctly authorizing representatives of the press who are engaged in no other pursuit to accompany troops in the field and purchase forage and provisions at the same rates as officers they should of course be held to a just responsibility not to publish information which could benefit the enemy nightly around our great division campfire negroes of all ages pored over their spelling-books with commendable thirst for learning one boy of fourteen was considered peculiarly stupid and had seen hard work rough living and no pay during his twelve months sojourn with the army i asked him did you work as hard for your old master as you do here no sir did he treat you kindly mm, yes sir were you as well clothed as now better sir and had more comforts mm, yes sir always had a roof over me and was never exposed to rain and cold would you not have done better to stay at home if i thought so i would not have come away sir would you come again knowing what hardships were before you 
yes sir i'd rather be free he was not stupid enough to be devoid of human instinct in december occurred the battle of fredericksburg the enemy's position was very strong almost impregnable our men were compelled to lay their pontoons across the river in a pitiless rain of bullets from the rebel sharpshooters but they did it without flinching our troops rank file and officers marched into the jaws of death with stubborn determination we attacked in three columns but the original design was that the main assault should be on our left which was commanded by general franklin a road which franklin wished to reach would enable him to come up in the rear of fredericksburg and compel the enemy to evacuate his strong works or be captured franklin was very late in starting he penetrated once to this road but did not know it and fell back again thus the key to the position was lost in the centre our troops were flung upon very strong works and repulsed with terrible slaughter it proved a massacre rather than a battle our killed and wounded exceeded ten thousand i was not present at that battle but returned to the army two or three days after burnside deported himself with rare fitness and magnanimity as he spoke to me about the brave men who had fruitlessly fallen there were tears in his eyes and his voice broke with emotion when i asked him if franklin's slowness was responsible for the slaughter he replied no i understand perfectly well that when the general commanding an army meets with disaster he alone is responsible and i will not attempt to shift that responsibility upon anyone else no one will ever know how near we came to a great victory it almost seems to me now that i could have led my old ninth corps into those works indeed burnside had desired to do this but was dissuaded by his lieutenants the ninth corps would have followed him anywhere but that would have been certain death burnside was at least great in his earnestness his moral courage and perfect integrity the battle was better than squandering precious lives in fevers and dysentery during months of inaction better a soldier's death on the enemy's guns than a nameless grave in the swamps of the chickahominy or the trenches before corinth ordered to move burnside obeyed without quibbling or hesitating and flung his army upon the rebels the result was defeat but that policy proved our salvation at last by that sign we conquered every private soldier knew that the battle of fredericksburg was a costly and bloody mistake and yet i think on the day or the week following it the soldiers would have gone into battle just as cheerfully and sturdily as before the more i saw of the army of the potomac the more i wondered at its invincible spirit which no disasters seemed able to destroy in january among the lookers-on in virginia was the hon henry j raymond of the times he had a brother in the service and one day he received this telegram your brother's corpse is at belle plain hastening to the army as fast as steam could carry him to perform the last sad offices of affection he found his relative not only living but in vigorous health through the eccentricities of the telegraph the word corps had been changed into corpse on the twenty second of january burnside attempted another advance designing to cross the rappahannock in three columns 
the weather for a long time had been fine but a few hours after the army started the heavens opened and converted the virginia roads into almost fathomless mire advance seemed out of the question and in two days the troops came back to camp the rebels understood the cause and prepared an enormous sign which they erected on their side of the river in full view of our pickets bearing the inscription stuck in the mud army of potomac near falmouth virginia monday november twenty fourth still on the north bank of the rappahannock upon the high bluffs along a line of three miles twenty-four of our guns point threateningly toward the enemy in the ravines behind them a hundred more wait ready to be wheeled up and placed in position upon the hills south of the river distant from them a thousand to five thousand yards rebel guns confront them some peer blackly through hastily built earthworks some are just visible over the crests of sharp ridges some almost hidden by great piles of brush already we count eighteen the cannonading will unmask many more ah what a sound will rise how wild and dreary when the death angel touches these swift keys what loud lament and dismal miserere will mingle with their awful symphonies in front of our right batteries but far below and hidden from them the antique narrow half-ruined village of falmouth hugs the river in front of the rebel batteries in full view of both sides the broad well-to-do town of fredericksburg with its great factories tall spires and brick buildings is a tempting target for our guns the river which flows between though fredericksburg is half a mile below falmouth is now so narrow that a lad can throw a stone across behind our batteries and their protecting hills rests the infantry of the grand division general couch's corps occupies a crescent-shaped valley a symmetric natural amphitheatre it is all aglow nightly with a thousand campfires and from the proscenium hill of general howard's headquarters forms a picture mocking all earthly canvas behind the rebel batteries in the dense forest their infantry occupies a line five miles long by night we just detect the glimmer of their fires by day we see the tall slender columns of smoke curling up from their camps all the citizens ask to have guards placed over their houses but very few obtain them i will give no man a guard replied general howard to one of these applicants until he is willing to lose as much as i have lost in defending the government the virginian cast one long lingering look at the general's loose empty coat-sleeve he lost his right arm while leading the brigade at fair oaks and went away the picture of despair army of the potomac sunday december twenty first the general tone of the army is good far better than could be expected there is regret for our failure sympathy for our wounded mourning for our honored dead but i find little discouragement and no demoralization this is largely owing to the splendid conduct of all our troops the men are hopeful because there are few of the usual jealousies and heartburnings no one is able to say if this division had not broken or if that regiment had done its duty we might have won 
the concurrence of testimony is universal that our men in every division did better than they ever did before and made good their claim to being the best troops in the world we have had victories without merit but this was a defeat without dishonor in many respects in all respects but the failure of its vital object the battle of fredericksburg was the finest thing of the war laying the bridge pushing the army across after the defeat withdrawing it successfully all were splendidly done and redound alike to the skill of the general and the heroism of the troops and those men and officers of the seventh michigan the nineteenth and twentieth massachusetts and the eighty-ninth new york who eagerly crossed the river in open boats in the teeth of that pitiless rain of bullets and dislodged the sharpshooters who were holding our whole army at bay what shall we say of them let the name of every man of them be secured now and preserved in a roll of honor let congress see to it that by medal or ribbon to each the republic gives token of gratitude to all who do such royal deeds in its defense to the living at least we can be just the fallen who were left by hundreds in line of battle dead on the field of honor we cannot reward but he who permits no sparrow to fall to the ground unheeded will see to it that no drop of their precious blood has been shed in vain End of chapter 25